All right. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the July 2020 episode of Redefining Rural. We're a podcast dedicated to celebrating, bringing awareness to, and changing the way we think about rural education in the state of Colorado and beyond. I am Danielle here with my co-host, Michelle and Kirk, along with our special guests, Darren and Elsie. We're here today to discuss leading during these really, really challenging times as we look to reopen the school year for the 2021 school year. But before we dig in and get into more formal introductions, don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Twitter. You can subscribe to our new YouTube channel and um, download all of our podcasts on any podcast platform that you use. All right, Michelle, I'm handing it to you to do formal introductions. Ooh, formal. That's, I'm all about that. Um, we are really <laughs> excited today to have two of our rural superintendent leaders joining us and taking time out of what must be the most colossally busy <laughs> schedule. Actually, interesting what both of you were doing just before this meeting around school reopening. Uh, we have Elsie Goins from the Los Animas School District and Darren Pippard from the West Grand School District. First, before we dig in, I'd like to ask you guys to introduce Tell us a little bit about yourselves, your background, um, what drew you to rural leadership, and then also uh, little demographics about your districts. Okay, Elsie uh, Goings, Los Animas School Superintendent. Uh, I've been in the district about 17 years, and so we have a little saying that if you stick around the longest, you get to get promoted to the top. And so, um, but the nice thing is I've got to learn my community and learn the feel and the and the, and the wants and desires of my local community, we, uh, we have about 500 students, brick and mortar, and um, we're located in southeast Colorado, and, and so we have what we call Trojan pride here, so yeah. Thank you. Darren? Yeah, so I'm Darren Pepperd, and uh, this is, I'm starting my fourth year uh, as the superintendent here in West Grand. Uh, for those not familiar with West Grand, uh, it's Kremling and the surrounding areas, so the western half of Grand County. Um, really, really enjoy being a part of this community. Um, we have about 450 students in our district and about 85 employees total uh, here in the district. Um, before becoming a superintendent, I was a high school principal uh, for a number of years in southwest Wyoming, which is my home state. That's where I grew up. And uh, just really enjoying being part of the the rural environment there's there's so many amazing things that we in small rural environments are able to do uh, that maybe others in larger environments aren't necessarily able to do so yeah that's that's what's drawn me to and, and keeps me doing this work well and darren is being a typical humble leader and not talking about though i think he will later he's just published i think this may be your first book but i'm not even sure okay. about that called The Road to Awesome, all about leadership and transforming educational environments specifically, I think. So we'll be anxious uh, when we get to the second half of the conversation to hear a little bit about that, those strategies and that toolkit. Yeah. But first, you know, it's really interesting. We couldn't have two different communities represented here, I think, in Los Animas and in West Grand. Um, and then two different um, sort of leaders. Darren is relatively new to the district and Elsie has been in the district for years. Both, I think, lifetime educators. So um, that is quite common with our leadership. Elsie, we'll start with you. Talk to us a little bit about um, what's happening in your district and the biggest challenges that you're facing and knowing that the next half we'll be asking you what, what leadership style and skills you're implementing to maneuver those successfully. Sure, sure. 
I think the, the biggest challenges that we're facing is definitely the unknown. And it seems like, you know, the hard part is information changes, if not weekly, possibly daily. And, you know, so what we are doing here is we're kind of, we're in a, we're in a planning mode. You know, we've been working with teams of groups and teachers to really be kind of thinking reflect, reflectively while we have time. Um, but at the same time, also watching what's going on around us, but then also being pretty cognizant about uh, what our local stakeholders are thinking and feeling around what we should be doing and be thinking about as we think about reopening schools. So, you know, our big challenges are, you know, protecting staff, protecting kids, and also being that, that community partner that we've always been able to be. We want to maintain that relationship as we move forward. So. Can you talk a little bit more about that, about how you're um, gauging the interests and the, you know, the wants and needs of your stakeholders? Sure. We, uh, we, we've been doing a couple of surveys out with our parents and with our community and with our, with our staff to kind of see as we move forward with plans, what do you think? You know, we, we kind of threw the ball in their court. You know, what do you think are some of those provisions that we should have in place as we think about reopening school? And what's been kind of nice about that is definitely we've kind of gotten a core bit of information that really will drive how we put our plans together. But at the same time, it also kind of reveals to us what we need to do to educate our own community around what COVID is and what the expectations will be and, and, the, and to explain why we'll do some of the things that we do. And at the end of the day, Michelle, we know that we may not be able to meet everybody's needs when we put our plan together. So, yeah. It's a hard, it's a hard pill to swallow, I think, for educators in particular, right? Not being it able is. to meet everyone's needs. Yeah. Darren, where are you guys at in West Grand? You know, I would say in a lot of ways, we're very similar uh, to what Elsie's uh, district is dealing with too. Um, you know, I, I've been working, this is actually right now we have, uh, we're calling it our relaunch. We're, we're not calling it reopening. Uh, I refuse to call it reopening because we never closed. So many people, so many businesses, so many different areas, they closed. Schools never closed. We just transitioned. Yeah. So um, we have our relaunch. Actually, our sixth relaunch meeting is going on right now. And, you know, we're, we're starting to get a lot of the, the framework around what, what we want to do. We've, similar to Elsie, we've done a lot of surveying with our community. We have parents joining uh, our committee for the first time today. Um, I think there's, you know, certainly going to be a lot of safety protocols we have and, and those things, but our biggest challenge, Elsie said it very well, is just not knowing. Um, we've worked really hard to prepare ourselves as leaders to be comfortable with saying, I don't know, as an answer to some of the questions. Uh, there's certainly time is going to help us get to some of those answers, but right now, I don't know sometimes it's going to be an acceptable answer and and we have to work with our community and continue to communicate with our community and let them know that everything we want to do is about getting our schools relaunched with our kids in the building and and so those things that we may be asking about mask wearing social distancing mm -hmm. um you know symptom checks those types of things um that's not it's not political this is we want to have school face-to-face -face in our buildings and we need to do those things in order to ensure that we, we don't have to make a more difficult decision down the road. Darren, I know you, you were, were one of the districts who lost some state grants due to the 
the changes in finance. And I know that has an impact on, on your district. Can you talk a little bit about the challenges you're seeing in, in your district when it comes to finance, the finance piece? Yeah, absolutely. So um, we, uh, as a community, one of the struggles that we have outside of, uh, outside of what's going on right now, um, when I first got here, we, we identified that early childhood care is such a huge concern. Um, we've been identified by the state as like a, a daycare desert. Um, there was only one daycare provider, uh, licensed daycare provider in our community um, two years ago. And there was only two slots for infants. Um, so that was a big challenge for us. So we uh, went down through the process and, and were successful to get the retaining teachers grant from CDE a couple of years ago. Um, and we wrote that grant specifically around opening a, a, an early childhood center. And last year we were able to open that early childhood center. Um, our teacher retention was so much better. Um, we actually had a number of teachers this year who chose to go ahead and start their families or expand their families specifically because they knew they had on-site daycare. Um, and then unfortunately that retaining teachers grant was one of the ones that, uh, that we lost uh, as part of, as part of the finance package at the end of, at the end of the legislative session. So that in and of itself, um, you know, that's, that's about $150,000 for us that, uh, that was lost in addition to the, uh, the amount that uh, that we lost in just general general fund state cuts. So um, we've worked really hard to be aggressive in finding new grants to go out and, and keep that space open because it's become very critical to us. Um, we invested a lot of grant money over the summer uh, in having it remodeled so we could expand to include a three and four year old room. And uh, so, yeah, that Kirk, that was kind of a kind of a, a tough pill for us to swallow. Um, you know, we understand it, but that was a big challenge for us. And ultimately we did end up, you know, like most, uh, having to reduce, uh, reduce a few staff positions and, and some of those types of things. But the biggest impact on us really was that early childhood center. So are you able to keep the childhood center open or is it still yes. a question mark? Yeah, right now we are still moving forward with it being open. Uh, we're not going to open our three-year-old room. Uh, we partner with the Kremlin preschool. They actually have two classrooms in our K-8 building. And the building we occupy for our early childhood centers, actually their building. Um, so they are going to take on the half day, three-year-old program um, so that uh, the plan originally was their half day, three-year-olds would come to us. And then any child who turned three during the year would be in our three-year-old room, but they're able to take on that room for us for the duration of this year. So we're going to make it work. Um, we're hopeful on a couple of grants that we've submitted and uh, we know that uh, uh, the governor has has some money that uh, is out there for retaining teachers, and we're going to go after that aggressively again. So, yes, we will move forward with it being open. Well, if I could piggyback on that, you know, so one of the things is our daycare center closed uh, when we had the COVID closing because our, our uh, daycare center was located in our nursing home, and so when when all of that wow. when all of that happened, um, they had to be removed, and so for for many months we didn't have daycare. So what's happening now is the school district and the county, and I actually reached out to Darren to talk about his daycare center. So the school district, us and the county and the city are partnering together. We've got to find a way to open that up. And so there's going to probably be a possibility that the district will probably be managing that so that we can make it happen. We have a little bit more facility space to do that. But I'll be honest with you, just in two conversations I had with staff last week, 
that's a huge concern for them, you know, and, and, and now with us having conversations as we start school again, is their concern that if you don't have daycare, I mean, how are you going to staff and, and have, uh, you know, classrooms filled with teachers? And the other question we had, too, that we proposed back to the county is, you know, when you don't have a daycare and if we still have to have school, like Darren said, you know, we didn't take off, you know, we still expect our staff to be able to provide services for kiddos in our community, but then they, we have 25 children that are staff members' kids, and so we've got to figure something out there for those kids. Yeah. I always feel like a risk of having to being annoyingly optimistic that one of the silver linings of this pandemic is the enhanced community partnerships and right. stakeholder engagement that are coming from that. I mean, you're working with public health in ways you never have, I think, in the past, and even some of your other county supports where maybe those relationships existed because of all the budget cuts across the board and the crisis and unknowns um, bringing folks together ideally for the benefit in the long run of all our communities. I think, you know, Michelle, I think you're spot on. One of the, the, I don't know if challenge is quite the right word, but something we as superintendents and uh, honestly all of us, and, and th this is a, another platform for that, we really right now have to be telling our story. <laughs> we have to be really pushing out all those things that we're doing, those, those enhanced partnerships and those types of things so that people really realize just how flexible and nimble our school districts are right now and how much of an impact they make uh, on their individual communities. I think that's right. And from my advocacy perspective, we've got to make sure the legislature knows that we can't withstand any more cuts because it's going to get worse before it gets better um, with regard to the state budget next year and the next coming years. I think that's absolutely right. Yeah, in, in rural communities, we, we definitely have the ability to, to make change happen quicker at our levels than yeah. in some other systems, for sure. Yeah. So in going back to your comment, Darren, about you know how we've all come together, we've been working together, Michelle, your comment about just um, being more collaborative and working across agencies, I think in across rural leadership, we've been doing that now for so many months. It feels like we are more connected now than we maybe ever have been before. So I think it's a perfect segue into our second question about leading during these challenging times. So, um, Enlighten us. Share with us how you have been leading during these challenging times and what your plan is moving forward, um, what your philosophy is in leading during this next school year. Go ahead, Elsie. Sure, sure. Well, it, it kind of begs toward, you know, we definitely have a collaborative leadership model in, in the district and in our community as well and with county commissioners and public health. You know, we've been collaborating for a long time, so this is not anything new to us. And we understand the value of collaboration. So even like, as Darren is doing today, you know, we have staff in the building today collaborating with principals and collaborating with kitchen staff and with nursing staff and, and just really trying to put these plans together. And, and I think the strength is when you collaborate and you bring the stakeholders together, especially those boots on the ground folks that are going to be doing that work and working with the kiddos and and being in the buildings every day, I think they have to have that sense of decision-making ability as well and feedback because they also have to have that feed, that, that buy-in to make sure that the plan works. And I think that we especially were very cognizant not to be top-down when it comes to these types of planning and these types of actions because the ones that really are going to make us shine at the end of the day are going to really be those folks that are implementing the plan. 
And so we always feel like it's really important that they have a sense and opportunity to kind of help build the plan as well. So that collaborative approach to that. So. Yeah, I think Elsie, uh, you said it extremely well. It's all about collaboration and it's about making sure everybody has a chance to be heard. Um, you know, there's, there's so much information and misinformation that is out there right now that it's really difficult um, for, for everybody to be real clear about what's truly happening. And so the more we bring people to the table and get them involved in the conversation, get them involved in decision-making, um, the better off we're going to be because everybody who's there is going to carry that message back out into our communities. Um, uh, the other thing I think about too, and, and not to shamelessly plug the book, but Michelle, you mentioned it. Um, so Road to Awesome, the, the subtitle is Empower, Lead, and Change the Game. And so for us, the big thing that we've been doing and that I've been really striving to do is make sure we're empowering everybody else in this process. Uh, it's, it's not about me making decisions. Um, yes, when things go out, ultimately all 178 superintendents in the state are going to be the ones that people say, oh, they made that decision. But if we're working on that collectively and everybody's empowered to have their voice and have, have a part in that, then they're going to carry that forward and they're going to help, help us live from why we do what we do as opposed to just the what we're doing. Um, when I opened with my group, and, uh, and that's what took me a little bit, little bit to get in here, we talked about, you know, we have this massive to-do list and there's all these things we need to do. Um, I heard a great keynote recently from a, a gentleman named Houston Kraft, and this is where that comes from. Yeah, we do need to focus on all the things we need to do, but what we really need to not lose sight of is who is it we want to be. So, you know, really focus on what we want to be. And when we started our relaunching process, we spent some time around really digging deep into what we can't control. And then we've, we've got to let go of that because the things we can't control, we, we can't waste time there. We really need to focus on what we can control. And then we need to focus really on our core values. What are those things that are truly important to us as individuals, as a school district and as a community? Um, so I, I've been working very, very intentionally around leading through that lens and helping others and bringing them back to that lens as much as possible. Because we can talk about masks and hand sanitizer and how many kids you get on a bus and all that as much as we want. But we gotta get back to who we wanna be. In West Grand, that's, we wanna be excellence, excellence in leadership, learning and engagement. That's who we are. Let's make sure the plan that we put together keeps those values at the forefront. And I'd have to echo that, you know, our principals, when we had our first meeting, it, they spent a great deal of time talking about vision, mission, and purpose, you know, revisiting our mission statement, revisiting our purpose. And I'll be honest with you, Darren, what that did for staff is it just settled them right down. Right. You know, it really changed that thought of, hey, what are we going to do with Matt? You know, it, it took them off the task list and really began to have them yeah. think at a more conducive level about, hey, this is who we are. This is our, this is our core beliefs. And then, and, and so for those of you out there that are thinking that you don't have time to revisit your mission, vision, and goals, tell you what, it made all the difference in the conversations with our staff by doing that first before we started working on the task list. So it, it makes for, you're absolutely right, Elsie, it makes for a great way to begin each of those meetings where, you know, hey, kind of a grounding activity of let's remember who we are and what we're about. And then as we move forward making decisions, just keep that lens right up in the front and this is who we are and this is how we make those decisions. Makes a huge difference. 
Yeah, it really did. Well, I, I think that's incredible to hear because I think many times um, those who aren't in those in the trenches sometimes feel like those are posters put on the wall or there's something that someone did in the back room. So I think it's incredible to hear you both articulate how powerful that was in regrounding your staff during this time of crisis and getting them reengaged. So I, it, it sounds like a wonderful advice to pass on to other folks who are, who are tackling a difficult learning challenge and leading challenge is to reground yourself back in what are your core principles? What is your why? As we talk about through the SCAP uh, project. So lots of other ways that, that we do that. So thank you for bringing us back to that. That's very much appreciated and keeping that sight of where leadership it is so valuable in a time of, of challenges. So Kirk, let me, I'll share one other thing too, that um, kind of almost became unintentional. Um, when we had our first relaunch meeting, I'm driving into Kremlin. Uh, so I live a little bit east of town and I'm driving in and, and I have everything laid out and planned. And it hits me that, you know, we haven't had that moment of closure, you know, uh, those types of things. We didn't get the normal closure. So I actually, the first hour with my leadership team, that first relaunch meeting was really just a core leadership team. We spent that entire hour just talking about our feelings and talking about our experiences and our frustrations and our struggles. And really what it was, was it was about an hour of grieving time for us. And I think that's something that we will leverage going forward with our, with all of our staff when they come back that, you know, guys, you haven't had a chance to grieve. So let's let this out. And, you know, for us as a team in that hour, it was tears, it was laughter, it was anger. But when we were done, it was first, you know, I think we were closer together and, and second, it gave us a chance to really get back to those core values. So I just think that's something that's really important that we don't lose sight of the fact that everybody is grieving, whether they realize it or not over everything that was March, uh, March 13th forward. This has been really powerful, folks. Like I don't often sit, is you know, thinking about um, the level of stress that everybody brings in, and I think that you're talking about that in in terms of the grieving process. But remembering to create a space for that and to honor that, and to and and recognizing we haven't even talked about your own individual stresses and how you handle that in your jobs, but um, it sounds like both of you are doing incredible, incredible work in terms of being mindful of all of the different pieces and parts and the importance of grounding. And, you know, to mask or not to mask, that decision is going to change 10 times, I think, between now um, and the end of the year. But keeping everybody together and grounded and heard and valued from, I think, where we're missing in some other communities is students, teachers, parents, making sure everybody has, is at the table and has a voice. Um, seems like really, really powerful insight and advice. And we thank you both. Absolutely. Anything else that we, you think that the folks listening need to, need to know? Other than where to buy your book, Darren, where can they find oh, your sure. book? Yeah, so the, the book, you can, you can get the book on Amazon. Uh, just search uh, Road to Awesome, Empower, Lead, Change the Game. Um, it's, uh, it's doing extremely well. I'm actually, uh, I'm very proud of it. I, I really am. It's, uh, it was a fun project. It's been about a two and a half year process uh, getting through, through writing a book. But uh, I'm just 
really humbled uh, to have that out there and to see pictures of people on social media holding my book is, is kind of surreal. But yeah, you can get it on Amazon and uh, also my website, uh, roadawesome.net. Uh, you can go on there and actually you can order an autographed copy if you want. So, so it is out there and available. But, uh, you know, I would say this, um, you know, my, my final thought for everybody who's listening is um, you're not you're not alone in this. You're not the only one who's going through this and don't allow yourself to be the only one going through this. Uh, I have a, a fantastic partner superintendent in, in my County in Frank Reeves and Frank and I, since March 11th have been lockstep on everything we've done. So we don't have, you know, play this district against that district or whatever. Uh, I spent 30 minutes on the phone with them just a little bit ago about, we're both going to relaunch or launch our uh, our plans tomorrow at the same time, and and those types of things. So, there's there's a lot of people out there who will support you, and if you need support, reach out, and I'm happy to do that for anybody. I would echo the same thing. There's we have very talented talented leaders. Uh, every time I get around rural superintendents and rural principals, it's just it's such a talent pool out there. And so don't find yourself alone. There are people out there that are willing to share. The nice thing with rural, we're willing to share and share freely. So, yeah. Thank you guys for this opportunity. Yeah, thanks for having us on. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. We appreciate you you joining us, and we really uh, thank you and wish you best luck in, in your relaunching for the 2021 school year of your districts. And thank you so much for, for lending your advice to all of our listeners and to us. And Anything thank you else? guys. Yeah. Thank you guys for doing all this work. We really appreciate it. Thanks for yeah, making rules count. Yeah. Absolutely.